Well, happy Wednesday night, everyone, and welcome in another edition of This Week in Hockey. And in the words of the great Ken Wilson, Joe Vitale, oh, baby. Oh, baby. What a weekend. <laughs> what a year it's I, been. We, <laughs> it's been 2020, man, and it has been the most 2020 you could ever have. We went in, we had our show Thursday night, and we recorded and talked about what's going to happen with Petro and optimism that he still could be here. Who knows what this offseason is going to hold? Signings aren't going to be like they used to be. Lo and behold, Doug Armstrong said, Look what's in my back pocket. Signs Tory Krug to a six year, $7.5 million contract. I'm sorry, seven year, $6.5 million contract. And of course, that pretty much writes off the Alex Petrangelo return to St. Louis as Petro signs with Vegas on Monday. And now we have a new St. Louis Blues team going into next season. Joe Vitale, your thoughts, buddy. Hey, what a play. And this, to me, the first thing I think of, Alex, is, gosh, we have a great GM here. We should be applauding our GM and Doug Armstrong because, yes, we lost Petrangelo, but this could have been way worse. We could have been losing Petro and had nothing to show for it you know so the timing of all this and I'll be interested to talk to Doug as as more details come out about this but you know Thursday evening Alex when we were doing our show conversations were happening I believe Doug threw one more offer finally at Petro when he got the sense that Petro did not want to come back here for whatever reason whether it was the structure of the deal or Petro just wanted to move on he wanted a new challenge we've heard a lot of back and forth he got a gut feeling that this would not get done right so what did he do? He had to get aggressive, and he had to go out there and find the next best defenseman, I believe, on the market. He found the next best defenseman in Tory Krug, mm-hmm. and, and a phenomenal defenseman. And Tory Krug will do things next year for these St. Louis Blues that Alex Petrangelo couldn't do and could not do till to this day mm-hmm. as far as his ability to run a power play, move the puck, uh, the poise with the puck. I mean, his ability to get up the ice and skate. Um, are we losing a little bit defensively? Yes, but I'll stay on the point for a minute. Doug Armstrong, what, what a play by him. Going out there, I never, ever in a million years, I didn't even send our show. Tory Krug was life for in Boston. Most mm-hmm. Boston guys, that core, I can't see them getting disrupted. I said he's going to stay in Boston. I was dead wrong. Now he's a St. Louis blue, buddy. I tell you what, you lose Petro, but you just added a huge piece. That's my first reaction when I saw all this. Yeah, it's a heck of an upgrade, and I thought the same thing, Joe. I'm thinking here, like, boy, it sucks to lose Petro because, like it or not, believe it or not, he's an elite defenseman. You're losing an elite defenseman. But what I think you got in return is the next elite defenseman. Now, I don't know if Tory Krug is going to be like an Alex Petrangelo on the ice. Heck, he might never be like Alex Petrangelo on the ice defensively. Offensively, he's one of the more gifted players in the league in his position. Can quarterback the power play, can be one of the faster players on the ice, exits out of his own zone, which was an issue last year in the bubble for the Blues, can play in the neutral zone, can play a heavy game if he needs to be. He's got some nastiness to him. He checks an awful lot of boxes. And to me, Joe, this was a transition by Doug Armstrong and Craig Berube of, okay, we don't think this is going to get done. Whatever it may be, if it could have gotten done, if the Blues whiffed on getting it done, that's that remains to be seen. We'll never know that. But what we do know is the Blues shifted their identity a little bit to an offensively fast puck-moving gifted team, which frankly you need to be in the Central Division when you look at Colorado, Nashville, Dallas, and Winnipeg. Well, Alex, I'll, I'll, I'll ask you a question Going back to last October, before they started this past season, okay, before the Justin Falk move, if mm-hmm. I told you that by next year, where we're at right now, Alex Petrangelo, who we knew would be a UFA, him and Jay Bomeister will be replaced by two defensemen 
and Justin Falk and Tory Krug. Would you have taken that at the time? Last year before the season started? Before the season started. Okay, we have not made the move for Justin Falk. Jay Bowmeister's healthy, but we also know Alex Petrangelo is going to be a UFA. If I told you in that moment that this time next year, which we're here right now, Petro and Bo will be replaced by Justin Falk and Tory Krug on this team. Would you take it? Here's the thing. Uh, yes, I would take it, but the questions would arise for me of, boy, it feels like you're getting smaller. How do they look defensively? Mm. Are they going to play better in their own zone? I have questions, but going into last season, before I saw Justin Falk, and look, that was, a, that was an anomaly struggling here in St. Louis. Before I saw that, yes, I would take that because I'm getting two elite players in terms of offensive ability, scoring goals, creating offense. And what's the name of the game? Offense, yep. scoring goals. Defensively, it still remains to be seen. But the part that I think people are forgetting is you still have two very strong defenders on your own zone in Marco Scandella and Colton Pareko. Mm-hmm. Fair enough. I mean, that's that to me is it's a very fair statement, and I think that if you ask me that question, I would take it because you're looking at Jay Bowmeister as maybe another year left. He only had one year left on his deal at the one-year deal he signed right before the playoffs in 2019. So you knew Jay Bo's on his way out here pretty soon, right? So to get Justin Falk and Tory Crew, two young defensemen locked up, yes, you lose Petro, but we all kind of thought that that day may come, and of course it did. So where are the Blues at right now compared to last year when they start the season? I think they're a better team. I think they have a better defensive unit, and that's without even mentioning who you just said, Marco Scandella, who's a terrific defending defenseman. Mm-hmm. So you got Pareko, you got Scandella, the two big bodies on the back end. They're going to anchor the top two, along with Justin Falk on the right side of one and Tory Krug on the other. If I had to look at it, Alex, I mean, right now it would seem that Tory Krug, Colton Pareko on that top pair. Then you have Marco Scandella, Justin Falk, Robert Bortuzzo is going to be on that third pair on the right side with a Vince Dunn if we get him signed, which we do not know all the details of that uh, at the moment right now. But then it gives you kind of some room. For Nico Mikula, um, you know, some some other players, uh, Peronovic, can he come up in here? Can he be a player right away? So you have right. an opportunity for a young guy as well. So to me, it's a great mix of defending defensemen, offensive defensemen, uh, some bite with Robert Bortuzzo, and then you also have one other thing, opportunity. you got to have a little bit of opportunity for those young guys, the Wallmans down below, and I think the Blues have a little bit of everything right now. I'm going to go on a limb. I think we're a better defensive unit right now than we were this time last year. I love the, the addition of Kyle Clifford. I think that's what was missing last year when Pat Maroon was in here. A little bit of bite to the bottom of your lineup. He's a power forward who goes to the net, which was missing in the bubble against a team like Vancouver. I'm still not sold that the, that everything's done with the Blues. I'm not sold that this is the roster we see going into next season. There are a lot of players out there still that I think can upgrade this team and without Tarasenko. And it sounds like Alexander Steen might not be back with this team next year because of an injury that kind of lagged him last season. Um, I think there's another addition that could be made for the Blues. I think there could be. You know, whether it happens before the season starts or not, that could be, it's left up to be seen. It could be like a Justin Falk situation where someone's going to be brought in in this first month. But I, I think that we, I think we still need a top six forward. I, I don't know what Vladdy's situation is going to be. Is Doug Armstrong? If there's any glimpse into Doug Armstrong's mind where he's going to look at Vladimir Tarasenko and say, "Man, we may not have this guy again this year." I mean, you've already missed him for one year. This could be two, and all of a sudden that's two years out of this four to six year window without your best goal scorer. I mean, at some point you have to kind of make the arrangements to move on and then deal with the consequences later. Uh, Mike Hoffman, uh, mm-hmm. UFA that's still available right now, terrific year in Florida. He's done some wonderful things in Ottawa. A terrific left left winger that would go great with Ryan O'Reilly and David Perron. Is, is that a possibility? Uh, with the price tag he's asking, it's going to take some serious movement. But again, with Vince Dunn kind of on the trade talks right now, would Florida you know be 
dealing with a, uh, a Vince Dunn coming to Florida. Uh, although, I'm assuming, no, he's a UFA, so that's not going to mm-hmm. make any sense. But you know what I'm trying to say? So there, there are things that could probably happen yeah. where if you can get rid of a, a Vince Dunn to another team to make room to sign, you know, Mike Hoffman or something like that. I, I, I agree with you. I, I don't think they're done. I think that a top six forward it needs to happen in order for the Blues to really compete this year to be another Stanley Cup contender because without Vladimir Tarasenko, there's just too many question marks in that top six when you're looking at that second line of Ryan O'Reilly, David Perron, and is it going to be Zach Sanford? Is it going to be yeah. Sammy Blay? We've seen it all over the place. Well, one of the questions that's going to have to be answered is what the captaincy is going to look like. Of course, Petro not coming back, the new captain. Could it be O'Reilly? Is that the easy assumption? Or is there somebody else? Joe and I will talk about that with the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber, next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Back in here on a Wednesday night, This Week in Hockey, along with Joe Vitale. I'm Alex Ferrario as we head to our Brown and Crouppen celebrity line and welcome in the third piece of This Week in Hockey. You know him as the voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. Curbs, I want to get into, well, first things first, I guess. Let's get your thoughts on uh, the moves that took place this last weekend. Tory Krug being signed and Alex Petrangelo moving on and Kyle Clifford coming into the fold. Yeah, I, I guess one at a time. I think, Alex, that uh, Doug Armstrong, with his responsibility to the long-term uh, growth and, and workings of this organization, made a terrific signing in Tory Krug. Uh, I think that after their last-ditch effort uh, to see if they could find an agreement on that Thursday night when it didn't happen, uh, he went and he got the next thing available to fill a hole. So I, you know, I, don't, I think it's a fantastic move on the part of Doug Armstrong. Kyle Clifford, I, I really love this, this addition here. Where we're going to be down Vladimir Tarasenko. We don't know the status of Alexander Steen. And the reality of it is, is all of a sudden somebody with – uh, a little spring in their step at 29 years of age, the ability and the kind of grit that he has. Uh, when I think of Kyle Clifford joining a line of a Sunquist and a Barbashev, I, I, I'm telling you right now that could be as much be your third line as anything else. So I love that move. Then finally, Alex Petrangelo. Man, I'll tell you what, thinking about this one for the last couple of days here, and then you know you hear and you watch and you read and you see people's responses. Ah, the Blues at fault, this fault. Look, I have, a, I have a simple thing, and I don't know where Joe sits on this one, but if a team offers an unrestricted free agent a fair value, a fair total value, and whether it be because of the structure or something like that, that something else doesn't happen, that is part of the story. But in the end, short of a completely low ball, makes no sense kind of offer, it's the athlete that has the complete decision-making power. He's the one that has to decide where he wants to play and what it is. And in this case, it was Alex Petrangelo's decision to not return and to go. And, look, and I get it. I know I'm simplifying a little bit here. But in the end, that's really what happened. And, I'm, and I don't begrudge Alex. I don't begrudge the team. I think the team did things that they had never done before with other free agents. I think that's a positive sign. I think the team offered a fair dollar value as well uh, when they're trying to keep the, everything else in the, in the same picture. And Alex got an offer that he felt more secure with and a new challenge he wanted, and that is his right, and he very much earned that right as well. So I think we should applaud Alex Petrangelo, thank him for his 12 years as a St. Louis Blue and everything that came along with it from his growth to bringing the team out of the bottom of the, the standings and into, uh, and into a Stanley Cup championship. And we move on to the next uh, the next storyline for St. Louis. 
Curbs, you mentioned the 12 years. You mentioned uh, the heroics and how we should applaud Alex Petrangelo. And I was laying in bed last night thinking about this because the story up to free agency with Alex was going to be this. If he stays a blue, he'll get his number retired. He'll probably own every defensive record, and he'll get a statue out in front of his building. Now, he has left. But I got to thinking last night, is it possible, in your opinion, that Alex Petrangelo still may get a statue in front of the Enterprise Center, let's say 15 years down the road? Uh, if he ends up in the Hockey Hall of Fame, yes, there's a possibility. Um, and the reason I but, the reason I bring that up is because you look at Bernie Federko. He didn't spend his whole career as a St. Louis Blue. Brett Hall, he left for other teams. He actually won a cup in Dallas, so he actually left the Blues and won a cup, but not a lot of hard feelings that long-term down the road. And then, of course, you look at Al McGinnis, who started a different organization before coming to the St. Louis Blues. So I don't think there's really any reason to really think at this point that Alex Petrangelo's statue in front of the building is an absolute no. Would you agree? I think it's a very fair question to ask, Joe. Um, and, and I wouldn't know how to answer that one right now because I guess the next one in line would be we know that this next season uh, we're supposed to be retiring Chris Pronger's number. Uh, and does that coincide with, with a statue as well? Um, I don't know. That's, that's a great question. But what, you're, you're right. We do know that had he stayed with the Blues, that all of that was a no-brainer. Um, but now, yeah, that's, that's a fascinating one. I, I, would, I guess the way you bring it up, I, I'd have to say you'd have to think it's a possibility. Well, with that being said, Curbs, you know, you, you hate to turn the leaf and move forward, but you do have to ask the question now what the leadership core looks like next year. And look, we've talked with Craig Berube in the past, and letters mean nothing to him. Letters don't mean much to the coaching staff. But from the players' perspective, when you look at the potential of new captains and then, of course, the new alternate captains, the leadership core is still in place. But I think that captain is an interesting perspective, and I'm curious your thoughts on it. Well, I've, I've learned to think over the years that the captaincy matters most if it's on the wrong person. There's a whole bunch of different people that could wear it and you're okay, but if it's on the wrong person, that's when it's, a, that's, that's when it's an issue. In this case, moving forward, I, I think it's a no-brainer that, that Ryan O'Reilly may be that guy to get it. But then I, I like to try and think, okay, well, what are the other possibilities? To me, it comes down to two people. It comes down to, um, and, and then, and then, and then, a, kind of my, I guess, the wild card for me. So, to, for me, it comes down to Ryan O'Reilly or Colton Pareko, and then the third one potentially could be uh, Braden Shen. I just think with the way that this team has gone, with the way this team has operated, especially if Alexander Steen isn't able to go for part of the first part of this season here, and even though the leadership group included. You know, Tarasenko and those guys, the mantle of leadership had really shifted. So I, I look at it and I go, I go that's, that's kind of how I, I, I see this thing happening and how I see this playing, playing out. The thing that makes me think O'Reilly even more so than Pareko at this point in time is I had a conversation with Al McKinnis years ago when they had to decide who was going to get it. And I, obviously Alex Petrangelo was one of those guys getting consideration along with David Backus. Al was one of those guys that at the time believed there's enough pressure, even in your fourth, fifth year, there's enough pressure to learn how to play defense and continue to grow that he thinks it's better for a defenseman to get it a little later on. Uh, and so knowing that, knowing that Al is still part of this process, and then understanding the work ethic of Ryan O'Reilly uh, and, and potentially the loss of steam for a while in there, 
it, it to me just looks like that thing is just already hanging over Ryan O'Reilly's locker. Curbs, what can you say about the balance of his personality? Because you mentioned, you know, you don't want to end up with the wrong captain on the wrong team because that could be disaster. You know, I played with Oliver Ekman Larson, who is, you know, a Finnish kid who is relatively very quiet, very different leadership style than Shane Doan, who he took over for there in Arizona. Um, So there needs to be that personality. You got to have the leadership qualities, but also you got to be, you got to have that flavor on the ice. You got to have that flash. And that's what Oliver Ekman Larson had. So my question is, then you see the other side where you have maybe a, um, who who is that guy in Florida? Derek uh, McKenzie, who was a fourth line player, who was the captain in Florida, which surprised a lot of people, but he had the personality, right? So every now and then you'll have a captain come down the, the road that not only has the personality like a McKenzie and then also the flash of an Oliver Ekman Larson. Do you feel like Ryan O'Reilly has that perfect balance of a leader where he can perform on the ice but also have the personality in the locker room? Yeah, I, I do. I think this is a different Ryan O'Reilly now than the Ryan O'Reilly that left Colorado and went to Buffalo. And, and frankly, I think it's even a different Ryan O'Reilly now than the one that left Buffalo and came to St. Louis. Um, I, I, I think the captain is, especially in a salary cap era, a captain has got to be able to relate to the young kids as well and connect with them in some way because you need your young guys to come along and feel comfortable if you're going to have a good team in a salary cap era. I mean, we go back to seeing all the different practices where it's the young guys staying out on the ice with Ryan O'Reilly. That speaks to that uh, situation there. Uh, I think he's a guy that because uh, especially, you know, you you come in, you win a Conn Smythe, you win a Stanley Cup, you've been a Selkie winner, another Selkie finalist again. Uh, I think the hardware has given you some stature in there as well. He plays in every situation. There's nobody on the team that works harder than he does. There's nobody on the team, frankly, that's been an all-around better player than he has been in the last couple of years. So he'll be able to talk and handle each one of those situations. Yeah, I think also you look at where a team is, and I think the respect that he already has in the room speaks volumes. I still think a team like Florida Panthers were a team in a little bit of transition where a little bit of that, 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 that fire and brimstone of a Derek McKenzie is a, is a valuable thing. But I think where this team is, we've got intensity on our coaching staff and, and every now and then a little bit of buffer and a guy that's got a really good feel from the room uh, with a calmer demeanor is probably a positive thing, and I think that suits Ryan O'Reilly just fine right now. Yeah, it's amazing. You know, the two years he's already spent here, now he's already considered to be that. Curbs, who – I'm going to put Jordan Biddington in this group, so I'm going to take him out of the equation because obviously you need your goaltender to be great every single season. But now that we have approached the offseason, all the players are at home, they started their workout routines. Which player to you, aside from Jordan Biddington, the starting goaltender, who do you think is it's going to be an important year for? I think the real key right now for the St. Louis Blues is Zach Sanford. Like we know what we're going to get from Schwartz and Shen, O'Reilly, Perron, and you've seen growth every year from Robert Thomas, so we hope to see more, and Craig Berubia said they want to see him sit in the top six. Do you get consistent enough? play and production like we've got to include production don't we when we talk about somebody in a top six role sure so do you get consistency in play and production from zach sanford on the left wing of perron and ryan o'reilly if you do get that and if you have the comfortability with that 
you're breathing a lot easier as a fan right now of the St. Louis Blues because you have the option to put Barbashev or Sunquist or a Clifford on a third line. It gives room for Costin or McEachern to step in and, and those kind of things. You can always kind of slide some pieces around there a little bit. But to me, the real question mark from a top six standpoint right now for the St. Louis Blues and the importance of the off season and being ready to go and come out flying is Zach Sanford to me. Curves, one more that I have for you that I'm curious about is uh, is the situation now for Doug Armstrong and the Blues moving forward because now if you look at this team, the acquisition of Tory Krug puts a lot of left-handed defensemen on the roster. I still feel like there might be some moves in the future for this Blues team to uh, enhance their ability before the season starts, and I think Vince Dunn could be one of those. Yeah, Vince Dunn is a real intriguing situation for uh, the way I see it right now. Interestingly enough, he is uh, he's represented by the same agency that represented Alex Petrangelo. Um, but here's the scenario with Vince Dunn. Unfortunately for Vince, he doesn't have any arbitration rights. I mean, so the only real option for Vince Dunn, if he gets an offer he doesn't like, is to hold out. And I'm not sure that that's a good plan right now this year either. Because the one thing we do know is with the free agents that are available and the free agents that are out there, there are going to be some amazing bargains as we move into November and December. You don't see teams rushing right now to sign a Mike Hoffman. We just saw Taylor Hall sign a one-year deal. You see, you see agents up in arms right now about guys like uh, you getting a $1 million offer right instead of in that $3 million range. The bottom line is there's going to be some NHL experience available across the board. I mean, you got a Sammy Vatanen. Who, look, without a doubt, Sammy Vatnin's an NHL player. If you've got six defensemen per team, I don't think you're listing 180 people ahead of Sammy Vatnin there. So I bring that up because the situation with Vince Dunn is intriguing. Whatever happens with the St. Louis Blues this year, they also have to be considering the expansion draft. Now, you have an opportunity. You'll have to make the decision, do you sign Vince Dunn and do you protect Vince Dunn? Or if, you can, if you're going to go with only protecting three defensemen, you're going to protect Pareko, you're going to protect Krug. You've got to think, you know, Falk and Scandella become part of that discussion, especially if Scandella and Pareko continue to play well. If, if they end up being a stalwart pairing like you hope they are, I'm not sure you're going to mess with this. So then from a Vince Dunn standpoint, to me the question is, is okay, do you sign him? Do at some point, do you trade him rather than potentially lose a guy? I got to think if Vince Dunn is available in an expansion draft, he's claimed, right? Um, so uh, to me, that becomes a really interesting thing in terms of his long-term approach. Because you've got the other four defensemen set the way you have them in Falk, Pareko, Krug, and Scandella, if a Scott Perunovich can come in, and he looks like a player that can get you those 20 to 30 points right now playing 13 minutes a game. And I, I realize I might be putting a lot on, on a rookie there. But if he can, well, then you have to wonder. And he does not have to be protected in the expansion draft. You really wonder how Vince Dunn figures into that plan both for this year and how you approach 
that situation coming up next offseason. Yeah, that's the intriguing part of this roster, Curb, saying, Joey, is, you know, you're not looking at just this upcoming season because you do have to prepare for the upcoming expansion draft. Curbs, it's great to hear the voice, man. I'm glad you're doing well. Hope the family's doing well. Uh, we hope to get you back in studio again soon and looking forward to hopefully the season starting up in January. We'll talk to you boys real soon. Thanks, Alex. Thanks, Joey. Thanks, Curbs. All right, guys. Have a good one. That's Voice of the Blues, Chris Kerber. We'll take a break and come back. Tori Krug. Well, we're going to hear from number 47. He talked with Joe Vitale after he signed his deal with the Blues. Tori Krug coming up next here on This Week in Hockey on 101 ESPN. Along with Joe Vitale, I'm Alex Ferrario. Wednesday night, This Week in Hockey, back in here on 101 ESPN. Just heard from Chris Kerber. We've talked, Joe, about the Tory Krug signing over the weekend. So let's hear from the new St. Louis Blue. Number 47, who spent his entire career in the Boston Bruins organization. Joe, you caught up with Tory Krug when he signed to talk about now being a St. Louis Blue. Take a listen. You're a Blue, man. How does it feel? Thanks, Joe. I appreciate it. Uh excited i'm very overwhelmed it's been a long day but uh couldn't be more excited at the opportunity that i have here to to join st louis that law firm a lot of great guys um went to war with them uh, about a year ago but i uh, <laughs> just can't wait to get to work with them war, war you did you know i think a lot of blues fans toy crew oh yeah the guy that came barreling down the ice without a helmet which is illegal by the way now it wasn't then but it is now and uh, just absolutely wrecked our first rounder and Robert Thomas. What a battle that was seven games a year ago, uh, back in June of 2019. Uh, walk me through the, the seven game experience for the St. Louis Blues. And then just kind of talk about, could you ever imagine a year and four months later being a St. Louis Blue? It was a grind. I think it was, um, it was probably the right thing that I went to seven games, to be honest. It was almost two teams that were mirror images of each other. Um, you know, when we saw the matchup, we knew it was going to be a long one against them. And, and um, anytime you get to a game seven, you just don't know what's going to happen. So a uh, great team, great depth. Um, the, the four lines, anyone can do damage. The decor makes it hard on you. Uh, and obviously, uh, Bennington was was great. And, um, you know, it's hard to beat a team like that. So uh, it, it was a great test. And, and obviously, um, you know, I'm joining the other side now and excited to get going. <laughs> Tori, this is a big, this is a big transition, man. I mean, this is a big deal for a lot of St. Louis fans. Uh, listen, we're, we're here, we're here sitting here on um, UFA day thinking what's going on with Petro. And then all of a sudden out of nowhere, kind of to Armstrong's fashion out of nowhere, he makes an incredible signing. We did the same thing last year with Justin Falk out of nowhere. He signs Justin Falk and all of a sudden Edmondson's gone. And here you are now in St. Louis. Did, did you see this coming? Were you talking to St. Louis? Uh, becoming a UFA uh, nine years in Boston in a long time with the city. I went to Northeastern for four years. It's a city that loves its athletes. Uh, did you see this, this relationship coming with St. Louis and how did this all develop? Yeah, to be honest, I, I didn't see it coming. I, I knew before this whole process begun that um, there'd be a team out of left field that would come in and surprise us. And, and sure enough, uh, when I got the, the call from Doug and, and had a conversation with him and then, uh, another call with coach, uh, you know, it seemed like a match made in heaven. Um, I, I couldn't pass up an opportunity to win year after year with that locker room, um, a core that very similar in age group uh, as, as I am today. And um, just the depth on the team to win year in, year out, that's important to me. And, and that was one of the reasons I thought it became a great match. And um, like I, I've said over and over again, I'm just eager and at the uh, opportunity to get to work with these guys. Tori, you, you battled these guys in seven games uh, a year and four months ago. 
Is there a player that you played against that you're so grateful that you're now on the same side with? I mean, you know, we both played in the league a long time and, and you hate certain guys on the team, but, but walk me through that seven games against the St. Louis blues. You know, now you're on, now you're blue. I mean, who is one player on this team that you're like, thank God I'm on his team and I can't wait to go out and battle with him instead of against him. Yeah. I think that for me, that answer is pretty, pretty simple. Um, Ryan O'Reilly is a guy that anytime you're on the ice with him uh, against him, you have to know where he is and, and he knows where you're going with that puck and being a puck moving defenseman, there was no easy pass to get around him. He can knock it out of the air. Uh, mm-hmm. He could read the play like, uh, no one else. And, and I played with a, a pretty dang good two-way center in Boston that uh, reminds me a lot of him. So um, mm-hmm. very, very lucky to be now on his side. Um, being on, on his team will be a nice relief. Tori, there's a lot of teams in this league that have a solid core. I mean, just you look at the core of Boston. Like you look at Chicago, you know, with, with Taves and Kane. I mean, Boston to me was, was a core, right, with Bergeron and Marchand. You look at Chara. You know, is it going to be hard? Have you talked to any players from Boston leave? I mean, nine years is a long time. Being in a city that is extremely sports-driven, have you talked to any of these guys, Bergeron, Marchand, as far as your departure and what these years have meant to you before you leave to become a St. Louis Blue? I have. I've spoken to, you know, most of the guys that you've already mentioned and uh, and then some. Uh, we had a very tight locker room in Boston. I think that's one of the reasons that we were so successful on the ice. And, um, you know, they'll be – some of my friends forever, but uh, sometimes the, the business world, other opportunities present themselves. And um, what I was very excited about when I looked at the Blues was was their core. Um, Love that their leadership leadership group, um, their top six, their their defense core, and then uh, you have Bennington and Ned. I, I think it was a very comparable match, and it, to me, in my opinion, could be um, the one seamless transition in the NHL for me to join another room. So. Um, you know, you can tell that I'm very excited about it. Tori, you know, with these UFAs, you know, uh, the dollar, the term, so much is emphasized on that. But for you, I know a big part of this was you wanted to join a team that was w- within a window to win again. And, and how much did that play into the role into becoming a St. Louis Blue for you and your decision? Well, it was very important for me. I mean, I, I've been to the finals twice now and struck out both times, unfortunately, but uh, to have the opportunity to uh, just get back, you know, into the playoffs year in, year out. And we all know once you get in, you don't know what goes, what happens from there. So um, with this core, this group, it seemed like a no brainer. Uh, we're going to have the opportunity to compete year in, year out. And, and that's my final goal. You know, those guys have done it once already. Um, you know, hopefully this time I can do it with them and, and be a part of it. Blue, white. I mean, those colors don't, they don't look like you. You're, you're kind of a black and yellow kind of guy. I mean, if you decided on a number, you've had 47 for all this time, it's kind of a camp number, no offense. Like it's kind of a dusty number. Are you going to stick with 47? I actually chose that. It was like, <laughs> I got an opportunity to, to pick out of a random few numbers. And um, there were a couple of good defensemen that, you know, I kind of combined their numbers out in Boston and, and that's what I landed on. And, um, I, I'd like to stick with it. Um, haven't gotten that far really just right now. I'm, I'm still, uh, in awe of the opportunity and I'm uh, just excited to get going. But, um, I would imagine that's something that's going to stick with me. Tori, I don't think you're going to have a lot of players that are going to be fighting you for 47. You know, maybe, <laughs> maybe, maybe 16 in St. Louis, you know, maybe yeah. five, but 47, I was 46. You should be good at 47. Well, I know Boston had the North end. 
I'm sure you're familiar with the North End. You know, we spent so much time at Monica's in the North End during the finals last year. I'm sure you've been there quite a bit with Franco and the gang. Um, have you heard of the Hills? Do you know about the Hill here in St. Louis? Do you know about Toasted Raps? I don't know much. Um, to be honest, I'd, I'd love to hear more about it. But the North End, that's, uh, that's where I live. That's been my neighborhood for, you know, the better part of eight years now. And, um, you know, we were just coming into our own, a lot of friends and family, um, neighbors. We love them. And just walking around the North End, it, it's a pretty special place to be. So I, I love the shout out you gave to the guys at Monica's. They're close friends. Mm-hmm. Um, and the list goes on and on. So it's, uh, we've been very lucky here, but I'm very excited to get started in St. Louis. Yeah, Monica's was the place that I realized that Bernie Federico, the Hall of Famer, loved Lemoncello and Pinot Grigio. Of all drinks in the world, I never thought that a Hall of Famer would appreciate uh, that. You have a family, Melanie, your wife, Sailor, a, a young young little girl, 15 months old. Uh, what is this like, not only as a player, but let, let's walk through the personal stuff. As, as a father, as a husband, I mean, this is a big day for you as a family man. Um, what have they said about it? I see you were sipping some champagne a little bit earlier. Of course, Sailor, your 15-month-old, doesn't know much about this right now. But what is Melanie saying? Is she excited about St. Louis? Very excited. I mean, um, it's been a, a very overwhelming process. Um, she's done a great job of holding it together uh, for both of us. And and I was doing my best to, to you know, act like I was being strong and hanging in there. But um, <laughs> when we got the opportunity to come here, you just couldn't pass it up. So um, it's tough. You know, I got to be honest, being a, a husband, a father of a little one, um, there's more things that are, you know, more important than just you and in the hockey world. And you got to take care of them and the security and uh, the future, what it looks like in a city to raise a family. Um, all these things come into play. So. Uh, we're very lucky, very happy that we landed on such a great spot. Once again, that's Tory Krug, new Blues defenseman from the Boston Bruins. And Joe, got to tell you, man, listening to the guy, I think Blues fans are going to love the way that he plays on the ice. Watching him in that Stanley Cup final last year against the Blues, he was a he was a he was a person that was difficult to deal with. I think there's a lot of elements that he brings to this team that's exciting, and I think Blues fans are going to be excited to see him once he takes the ice for this upcoming season. We'll take a break and switch gears. The defenseman who left the St. Louis Blues through free agency. Now he is with the Las Vegas Golden Knights, Alex Petrangelo. A great interview earlier today on Rivs and BK here on 101 ESPN. And you'll hear a little chunk of that with Petro next here on This Week in Hockey. Final time here tonight here on This Week in Hockey, Wednesday night, leading you up to ALCS Game 4 action. Tampa Bay Rays, Houston Astros, pregame coming your way in just a bit. But, Joe, before we get out of here, I do want to bring back an interview that was earlier today here on 101 ESPN. If fans missed it, Alex Petrangelo joined Rivs, BK, and myself to talk about the signing in Las Vegas and, honestly, to talk about an awful lot of rumors that have been swirling around of what took place rather than... And continue with those rumors, you hear it from the horse's mouth. So here's a little bit of that Alex Petrangelo interview from Rivs and BK today. There was, and there was some, uh, you know, on Rivs, you've been through it, right? It's, there were some uncomfortable conversations that me and my wife had to have, you know, and they weren't very fun, but they were, you know, real honest conversations between each other that I think, uh, I think that were good, you know. We, uh, we tried not to talk about it a whole lot until you know, something came up or we really had to discuss it. But I guess, you know, this weekend uh, we really had to have those conversations. And, you know, that's the hardest part, right? It's so hard 
when you have kids and you know they're still small and they don't understand that if you're going to put yourself in a position and pick up and move your family you better be sure it's the right decision so um we're happy uh you know I'm happy that she's happy, and that's the most important thing. We're talking to Stanley Cup champion, former Blues captain, now the new Las Vegas Golden Knights defenseman. He's Alex Petrangelo joining us here on 101 ESPN. Alex, I wanted to allow you to kind of have an opportunity to clear the air here in St. Louis because I I don't want things to to go sour whenever you are leaving here. Uh, There were some reports yesterday that you admitted that you had your eyes set on playing elsewhere. I I wanted to at least give you the opportunity here in St. Louis with the Blues fans listening to address that and to to give your response to that and and where that maybe came from. Yeah, I don't have social media, but I was told about it. You know, really, uh, I'm not going to, you know, get too much into it. But what I said was, and what I mean is I never once, and I've said this to a few people, once counted the Blues out. I always knew that uh, there was a chance that we were going to get a deal done. And uh, when, you know, you talk and Thursday night we went back and forth and, and there was communication on Friday. And then, you know, Friday night came and Saturday. Um, I sat there and I said, you know what, this very well may be a possibility that I'm going to have to go play somewhere else. And um, when I signed the deal with with Vegas and I said, you know, all right, well, it's time for a new challenge. And I think I welcomed it with open arms and, you know, Rivs, you've been through it too. It's, it's the only way to do it is you got to say, you know what, I have to start thinking about, you know, the idea that I'm going to play, you know, somewhere else, somewhere other than the only place that I've known. And if you don't, you know, welcome it with open arms, it would be difficult. So I think we're just kind of going with the process and going with the flow and just going to try and, uh, you know, adjust, uh, I guess, on the fly right now with the uncertainty, especially of next season. Yeah, I agree, Petro. It is it is that exact thing is you have to welcome the challenge once it happens. And I think that that's where maybe things got twisted a little bit with that that whole statement was that, you made that comment after knowing full well that, you know, you were going to be a Vegas school tonight or that maybe the St. Louis Blues were not going to be able to come to a deal with you. And focusing back on the St. Louis Blues and your negotiations, for you, during this entire process, what was the hardest part about it? Apart from not just knowing where you might be the following season, what did you find to be the most difficult part of these tough negotiations? Um, I think probably just trying to not take it personal and emotional, you know, I think on both sides, for sure. On both sides, I, you know, they've seen me grow up as a, as a, as a person here, Never mind a hockey player, but I've grown up as a person here, right. Going from, uh, you know, this 18 year old, all of a sudden I've got, you know, four kids and a wife and, and settled into the community. So I think from both sides, it was trying to take, you know, the personal side out of it and it was never personal. Um, I'm sure that's what people have heard, but for us, you know, army, had to do what he had to do for, you know, the organization and for Tom and I had to do what I had to do. So I think trying to like take the emotion and the, and the personal stuff out of it and trying to make a decision about what's going to be best for us was the hardest part. Cause you know what, Riz, um, you know, when, when you love it somewhere and um, your heart somewhere, those are the things that, that pull at you. And I think, uh, like I said before, it was a harder decision than I was expecting. Alex, one thing that we've heard, or two things that we've heard so much about in recent months here in St. Louis is the no-movement clause and the signing bonus, right? The structure that you wanted and ultimately got, and congratulations to you on both of those, certainly, and and the signing as well. Can you, for our audience, explain a little bit about why that was so important to you to get the structure within that contract that you wanted? Yeah, I think now more than ever, I mean, there's – this is obviously an extreme circumstance with the pandemic. Um, I think we can all agree on that, but sometimes there's, 
um, you know, things that happen. And I, I, those guys, you know, getting traded, put on waivers, bought out, like, you know, guys that you would never expect, right? So you want to make sure you can protect yourself in case something like this, you know, ever happens. And I'm not saying that the Blues would have done that to me, but I don't think any of us would have expected this to happen either. So from that standpoint, especially, you know, if I was going to pick up my family and move, I think it was important for me to, you know, have an organization show that commitment so that I wasn't, picking up and moving my young family, and then uh, something happens. So that was a big uh, big thing for me. Petro, in your negotiations with the Blues, in your opinion, uh, what was the, the sticking point? Because, you know, there's – look, it, there's been all sorts of stuff put out there, and you don't have social media, which, by the way, congratulations. Yeah, God bless you. <laughs> yeah, I actually wish I was you at times. Um, actually, I wish I was you right now, actually, <laughs> taking my family to Vegas. But anyways, um, no, but what, what was the sticking point, in your opinion, of what went on, and how come it just ultimately couldn't get done? Well, there's a lot of reasons why. I just named a few. Um, again, each team, you know, wants to build a team a certain way, and and they're they're entitled to do that. So, you know, Doug has a philosophy of how he wants to build a team, and I respect that. You know, I really do respect, you know, that he stuck to what he believes in, and I'm sure he respects me for sticking to what I believe in. So, um, each team has a, a process of, of how they want to build a team and how they want to go about it. So, um, I wouldn't really be able to sit here and say there was one thing that, you know, was the sticking point because the, the negotiations negotiations were always ongoing, right, between me and him and, and my representation. So um, there's not one single thing. I think sometimes it just doesn't work out. You have different philosophies and some things, and that's okay. And, uh, you know, a lot of people ask me about the crew thing, and, and I said, well, you know, they said, are you upset about it? I said, not at all. You know, Doug Armstrong's a good GM. He did what he had to do to make his team better. And I don't think anybody can sit there and blame him for that. And, and I can't do that either. So he, he saw an opportunity, he jumps on the opportunity, and good for him. Now, Petro, how involved were you in this whole process? Because, look, I know you for a long time now. And for people who are listeners who maybe don't know you, the individual, you're very, very involved in your own life, your personal life, your professional life, everything you do, you are in there big time. I was wondering, as I thought about this and while you were going through the process, just how involved you were in all of the talks and all the negotiations, because, you know, I did that one time and it was hard. It it was hard on me mentally to be a part of that. So I'm just curious, how involved were you and were you involved the whole time? Well, I mean, I'm involved in the sense that uh, Newport, uh, Donnie doesn't do anything unless he asks me. So, you know, I'm really the one that's telling them you know, what to do or, you know, cause you know, ultimately they work for me. So I wasn't super involved. I tried not to be, cause then you get emotional, right? Riz? And then exactly. you, uh, the personal side comes into it. So, you know, when Donnie called and phone rang, I, I told him how I felt. And, um, you know, Doug and I did have communication over, over a bunch of things and that's how it should be. Cause him and I have been together for a long time. So, but when we got down to the real grind of it, I think I kind of left it up to Donnie and Newport to, uh, you know, to try and figure it out. Cause again, like I said, it's, you want to try and take the emotion and the personal side out of it because, uh, you know, that's what I, I pay them to do. And, you know, I think, uh, you know, I, I've been with them since I was, you know, was it 16 years old and I trust them. So, uh, there was definitely good conversations that Doug and I had, which, which is a good thing, right? I think that's a healthy thing. 
And if you missed that full interview, you can check it out, the Ribs and BK podcast at 101ESPN.com. I know it's not normal for us, Joe, to bring in other interviews from other shows and get fresh content here on 101 ESPN, but I truly felt like it was best to have this to wrap up the show tonight so people can hear what Alex Petrangelo thought about the St. Louis Blues, what went on behind closed doors, at least from his perspective, and his moving forward on to the Las Vegas Golden Knights. But for me now, Joe, it felt like one of those nights where you get closure after a breakup you're not sure about it you hate it but you got to move on you got closure from Alex Petrangelo he's a Vegas Golden Knight Krug is a St. Louis Blue and now the excitement is dictated towards this upcoming season for the St. Louis Blues Joey V thank you so much buddy also great work with Tori Krug you'll be back with us next week I'm Alex Ferrario thank you to Mike Ryder and thank you for joining us here on this week in hockey on 101 ESPN